Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Please, take my hand. Now, open your mind to me. Please, open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez. I am your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And we're well into this conversation, which seems to be bouncing back and forth between a Trump withdrawing from the Paris Accord and what the heck's going to happen in the 6th District here in Georgia, which seems to be like a world event. It's the biggest, the biggest congressional race by dollars ever. And uh, it has huge significance or so the Democrats are trying to present so it is on everybody's mind. WSB TV and WSB Radio is carrying it, is doing a debate between the two of them, June 6th, I think it is, this Tuesday, 8 o'clock at night. And the election is actually June 20th, but voting has already started. And uh, I'm sure you're aware of this election since they're just, uh, there's so many ads, so much activity, so much publicity about it. But also, we were talking about the Paris Accord, and uh, my concern is that the Paris Accord was totally toothless, and by saying that he's going to renegotiate, I think Trump opened a can of worms, and the GOP, of course, who absolutely always does everything, you know, they just, they never seem to fall on their swords for principle, they they don't get it with the climate, they will acknowledge, they say that this is a man-made problem that requires a government solution. That's how they frame the issue. Binkley was laughing. My producer Binkley's here who's laughing because I I hate that. What they're saying, they're stipulating, they're giving up the war. They're saying this is a problem that government needs to solve. And that's like that old Winston Churchill quote, which is, uh, now that you're, we know you're a whore, Let's argue about the price that that some woman said. He said to her, oh, uh, why don't you come upstairs with me? I'll I'll show you a good time. And she said, well, do you think that I'm a whore? And he said, well, you misunderstood. If you come upstairs with me, I'll leave you my entire estate. You know, I'm, I'm not long for this world. I'll leave you my entire estate. And she said, well, why don't you put it that way? So he said, okay, now that we know that you are actually a whore, let's argue about the price but it's the same thing with the with the with the republicans when they look at government and they say government is the solution we need more of it you're just arguing about at what price you're just arguing about what flavor what brand you're just you're giving up the battle for small government before it even starts by by saying that you want to renegotiate this deal you're just not uh 
you're not articulating the principle that keeps the American experiment alive, this idea of limited government. Limited government means the government doesn't control everything. And by saying, by stipulating that the government has a role in controlling the environment, what you're saying is they can control everything. Because it's all about private property rights. And, and they will take, and this is where that UN stuff comes from. We were talking before the break about this book uh, by, oh, I always forget his name, Archibald uh, Roberts, that um, about the UN, which it's a prototype for a world government. And what they need to do is control property. They, they want to control land. One of a, a UN meeting called Habitat One, talked about how land should not be owned by people and and that's that's the essence of slavery if you can't own land you have no alternative for food but the central power and if that's if they can control the food they can control the population and they need to control the population in order to control the world and that's what it comes down to so for me the environmental stuff is an avenue by which they can justify, you know, we can't have absolute property rights because that will destroy the earth. If you have absolute property rights, you will not be able to, uh, you won't act responsibly enough and you will destroy the world for everybody else. But the opposite is actually true. It's absolute property rights that keeps you caring forever, intergenerationally, about what the legacy you're going to leave your children, the land you're actually going to leave your children. And absolute property rights gives all the people around you the right to, to sue you, to stop you, to demand um, recompense for damages if you pollute on their property. So if... If you restore absolute property rights, environmental problems go away. Certainly pollution goes away. Um, and they don't focus on pollution. They focus on carbon dioxide, which is the stuff of life. It's almost like perverse how the environmental movement focuses on the one thing that creates uh, lushness and plant life and the things that foster the growth of life instead of you know chemical pollution, which would easily be resolved in private property law, but it would really, I think, encroach on some of the super large global corporations. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to Jeff in Woodstock. Hi, Jeff. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Um, I want to talk about the 6th District. Um, if I recall, during the presidential election, Trump did not win by significant numbers. Everyone's talking about it's a red district. I mean, it is, but I would say, even demographically, currently, it's not as red as, you know, go back to Newt Gingrich. I mean, we're, that's pretty far, you know. So Newt Gingrich was the first Republican who won it, right? Yeah, so I think it's, I think demographically, it's not like, it's not as red as red. It's not red, red, red like we're. Yeah. So here's the question: Why a, did I think there is a yeah. reason for them to go here? Is what I'm saying. So, but why then? I mean, how unsophisticated is the GOP that they let a guy <laughs> who is vulnerable get tapped by the administration? Uh, so yeah, Tom no, Price should not the, have been tapped. 
the GOP, no, they have really either they just didn't pay attention to this, or I don't know what you know. I can't even I can't talk for them. I know. I, I think they like being in second place because <laughs> they get to. I, I agree with you because, like you were saying earlier, they. They stomp on the ground and yes. vote for them, and then when they're actually in power, they're kind of like, well, we don't really want to really go f- go for what we were talking about. But thanks for putting us in, though. I mean, that's, Yeah, because big that's power, true. big power is where the big money is, and they don't want small yeah. power. There's a document, a book by Irving Kristol, who calls himself the father of neoconservatism. He's Bill Kristol's father from the Weekly Standard. Yeah. And he talks about how the Republicans have got to stop promoting small government they can lie to their constituents and everything but when push comes to shove there's no power in small government if you want to shape the world if you want to line your pockets you need big government (laughs) and if you're not going to have big government then don't even bother running and i'm like wait a second (laughs) i mean if you want to go true principle you know small government there's not very many true republicans in that aspect i mean they're all because establishment. <laughs> there's a true conflict there. The ruling class yeah. wants to rule. They want power. Sure. So that's why it's so important that we defend the Constitution, that we defend the Bill sure. of Rights, that we keep control over states' rights, that senators are elected by the state legislator instead of, you know, sure. the population at large. I have one more comment if I had time. Um, a gentleman spoke earlier, and he was saying that Trump has only done executive orders, so he really hasn't done anything, and he needs Congress to or he needs to pass legislation, uh, my comment on that would be, well, if we go by the repeal and replace, which is, you can de- debate whether you want to repeal and replace or just repeal it, nothing's being done, so I don't know what he could do possibly to foster anything being passed other than... Oh, that's funny know, that you should yeah. say that, because I had another call who just uh, had to hang up, and when people wait, they I understand completely, but I hate to lose the calls because they're such good sure, points, sure. but you're making the same <laughs> point. Which is, what else could he do but do executive order? And I would say, like the Obamacare repeal and replace, what he should say is, hey guys, just repeal it like he did 50 times before. I will sign (laughs) it, and then we can replace it, and I will sign that too. We can get it all done. That'll solve the problem. That'll fulfill my campaign promise. If he called for that, it would have been done, and he didn't. With the immigration, what? I was saying, ironically, Tom Price had written the bill in 2011, I believe. I could be mistaken, but to... To replace or replace it or repeal it or whatever, I don't know. And it was probably <laughs> better than what they came up with this time, but oh, I don't yeah, know. I'm quite certain. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not a policy wonk, as they say. Erickson's your yeah. man for policy. But uh, yeah. seriously, like I love to, even if I don't agree with the politics, I really uh, interested in the policy analysis. But there was another thing, which is the executive order. Um, yes. The uh, immigration, the Muslim thing. Yes. When I read that, the first one, mm-hmm. it was so it just leapt out at me. This is never going to work because it it says enforce immediately, which just the government doesn't work that way. It applied to people who were still in the air, so I felt like that was a lose on purpose thing. Uh, that that ban yeah. was meant to fail, and then this Paris thing, but it was great that he pulled out. Why why say let's renegotiate? Why get everybody behind yeah. that? Uh, yeah, uh, I. I I'm a Trump supporter. I'm not. I'm not blind. I mean, I'm. You know, I'm not that far. I don't blindly support anyone, but I will vote for someone. But I'm. You know, you like to hope they're going to do the right thing. But I agree with you on the points you bring up when I listen to your show. I mean, yeah, no, and I hate to be down on it. And he was the only hope. I mean, the only the only question. (laughs) You know, the only question to me is: Was he really the only hope, or um, 
you know, is he really a hope or is he false hope? That's the only thing. There was no hope in Hillary, you know, I mean, in the Ossoff handle thing. Obviously, Ossoff is no is not any hope. Is handle? I don't know. You know, so that's the thing. It's just this this negative versus negative light. I don't know. But we'll see the true meaning of Trump over time. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show and more calls, your comments and some more libertarian stuff. After the break, Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Today of 87, tomorrow's high 82. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we have a weekend prize pack for you. A pair of tickets to see Barry Manilow live in Atlanta on July 27th at the Fox Theater, produced by Live Nation. And a pair of tickets to see Air Supply on August 11th at Chastain Park Amphitheater, Produced by Live Nation. First to call 404 750 gets that prize pack. And I am going to the phones. If you want to call in, 800-WSB-TALK is your best bet. I'm going to Steve in Griffin. Hi, Steve. You are on with Monica. Hello, Monica. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, my comment is that people that believe that the government is smart enough to control the weather or powerful enough they are living a dream. You know, we have these nasty critters here in the South called fire ants. And government's been working on that problem for over 50 years, and they haven't come up with a solution yet for that. So you're talking about, like, HARP? People who think that... Well, well, you know, just trying to cut emissions, trying to, you know, everything, trying to do this and trying to do that, you know, to control the temperature. It's, it's not going oh, to yes, I don't think do that... Man-made activity is, we should be so lucky because the real problem, if we live this long, is going to be the Ice Age. So, yes, if we could make the world globe warmer, we'd be better to have that ability. Excuse me. I believe it's the Cetaceous period, you know, levels were 16. Steve, I'm losing you. I can hardly hear you. Are you moving around? Let me see. Yeah, sometimes I have a bad sale. Is that better? It's better. You got another 30 seconds. Give me. Okay. Well, you know, I believe it's a spacious period. You know, CO2 levels were 16 times higher than they are now. Yes. And, and you know, there was an explosion of life. And Yes, I don't know the numbers, but I know what you're talking about. Like, we are in a relatively low CO2 period. Yeah, yeah the plant life on this planet is on a starvation diet for CO2. Yeah, they would, it would cut, yes, we would have much more lushness, which is why, I mean, and that's better. You know, it's better to have, uh, it's just better to have more of food. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and you know, the planet's been around for five billion years, something like it, and we're nowhere near the average temperature for that, for the time that the planet's been here. So, yeah, know, that's I'm, very interesting. I actually, I feel like, just like with with uh, laws of behavior, the natural law works for humanity on Earth, and that and that's what property rights are. That's that's what it all is, and we would survive if there wasn't so much central planning, so much manipulation. Let's continue this conversation after the break. Uh, send me some tweets at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Hi, 
am your libertarian voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. We're in the home stretch, but we still have some interesting stuff. Actually, it could be the most interesting stuff. A couple more calls. We're talking about the Trump's withdrawal from the Paris Climate Accord. And we just had a, a call before the break that I think led to some confusion. I think it was Steve, if I'm not mistaken, who... What we were saying was it's it, he was kind of coming having a larger philosophical thought, which is it's arrogant to think that we that the governments of the world can get together and control the weather that these that even even just what we're doing in the world isn't enough to really change uh, the climate. So and that like rang a bell for me because I've thought that too. It feels super arrogant. But then the conspiranoid in me says it's naive to think they're not doing it already. You know, when you when people talk about harp, they talk about chemtrails, they talk about stuff like that. I can't help but think I don't understand it. When it comes to the science stuff, I really feel like you would have to look at the actual evidence, the studies, the what you're talking even even with the climate, you know, the global warming and everything. I just um uh, vaccines I want to, there's an answer. These are objective truths that we can find, and I just don't have the time to make a study of them. Uh, but I uh, but I feel like they they can probably do more than they're letting us know. And I know they were uh, seeding clouds, whatever. So I think maybe we started a little Twitter storm. Binkley, my producer Binkley's here. Any Any tweets that reacted to that confusing call? Yeah, you had someone asking for the. It was Corey asking about if you had any research for your uh, your statement about the ice age, the impending ice age. <laughs> I didn't mean an impending ice age. <laughs> I just mean there are cycles. Ice ages are cycles. They come and they go. I mean that's how it works. So and actually in the seventies, the nineteen seventies, they were talking about like a mini ice age coming. The population bomb, all these super scary things that they were talking about then that did not happen, so they had to change it to global warming or whatever. I don't know. But I was just saying, as far as humanity is concerned, on a on a planetary scale, like a cosmic time frame of billions of years, the problem is ice ages. I think that's where it becomes quite difficult to survive, whereas two degrees of heat and more CO2, it actually makes it maybe less comfortable, maybe, but it produces more food, so it's like more survivable. But I was definitely talking on a is super uh, on a cosmic scale. But I, I, I want to read some stuff from the report of Iron Mountain. I don't want to lose Jeff. Let's go, to, let's go to a call. Jeff in Kennesaw, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Good to talk with you. Thank you for calling. So um, I did disagree with your assessment of Donald Trump's, you know, pull out on the Paris Accord and then, you know, saying let's, let's renegotiate. One of the things he threw in that was that he said, and if we can't find a deal, we don't find a deal. Yes, I did see that. Yeah, he always leaves himself an out. Makes it. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. The proof is absolutely going to be in the pudding with him. I think that when Obama, when he was running, it was all hope and change. He never had a vote in the Senate. Something crazy like that. Like he was just a blank piece of paper. It was kooky. Then, oh, so you could just project anything onto that. I liken it to the Doctor Who psychic paper where he holds up a blank piece of paper and you project onto it whatever it is. You need him to be to let him through that door. And but yeah. with Trump, he it feel I feel like it's the opposite. Like he ha- he he says 
you know, both things at the same time. And then depending on which side of the aisle you're on, you hear it one way or the other, which is what makes people absolutely crazy. I call it his art of ambiguity. You think of the art of the So I'm with you. I saw that ambiguity there. And I and we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. I guess so. Um, one of the things that you mentioned about the ice age and so on, you know, the idea of saying, oh, this could happen, that could happen, we're the officials, we know what we're doing, and yet they're wrong so many times. Yes, government does tend to muff things up more than they tend to do things well. So wrong, and I would say you can absolutely positively assume, if you're ever going to assume anything in this life, you can assume that the politicians are... Uh, doing what they what is in their interest and the interests of the people who butter their bread. I you to assume that any of them. I hate to say it, including Donald Trump, but to the the basic assumption must be that they are not these crusaders who are there in Washington or there at the Hague who have genuinely puzzle over what's the best thing for your children. I just don't think so. Right, so. which which essentially leaves them as being streetwalkers. Well, I know I did. I did introduce that concept earlier in the show to my I'm still embarrassed about it. But uh, (laughs) yes, that's what they are. But let me if you really want to go down, come down the rabbit hole with me. I'm going to bring you down the rabbit hole. This is a something I talked about a long time ago. I haven't talked about it uh, in a while. it's this report from Iron Mountain. I, I When I first read it, I was so excited. I did like numerous shows on it. I was so, so excited. It was on the New York Times bestseller list, uh, on the nonfiction bestseller list. The U.S. government gave out 5,000 copies of it once it was exposed. And it wasn't for years that it was, they recanted and said, oh, this is a hoax. People like John Kenneth Galbraith, who were asked to participate in it um, and did somewhat, to uh, Jay Fletcher Prouty, who was, uh, uh, I think some people think he was the Watergate deep throat. I can't remember, but he I love his book on JFK. These are deep state guys who said that this is a legitimate document. And even if it isn't like a report that was written in report format, it revealed what these got what the government was thinking and what they did was they took 15 guys who were multidisciplinary um like peak multiple multidisciplinary guys at the peak of more than one discipline so a guy who was a historian and an economist um i think john kenneth galbraith was asked for that role he was like a preeminent historian i think and i know he's a preeminent economist so they would have like a mathematician and a physicist in one guy and they had 15 of these guys to come up with the question was the name of the report was on the desirability and possibility of peace so after nuclear weapons were invented the government was faced with a problem nukes this these people said you don't think this is you think nukes make the world a more dangerous place they knew it made it much safer place because even a small country could resist being invaded there just couldn't be war anymore because you just couldn't and tesla that was tesla's dream was to make a a a a weapon so simple so powerful that everyone could have one like a gun (laughs) you know that's a great equalizer and that it it makes peace so they said look we've got nukes now and we might get peace, which would be terrible for the hierarchy because people can't, uh, they won't obey us. So I'm going to, and this folds into the environmental thing. So I'm going to read, it's, it's a couple of paragraphs, but it's really worthwhile. This is straight from the report from Iron Mountain. So what do we do? It says, 
The war system makes the stable government of societies possible. It does this essentially by providing an external necessity for a society to accept political rule. In so doing, it establishes the basis for nationhood and the authority of government to control its constituents. What other institution or combination of programs might serve these functions in war's place? An effective political substitute for war would require alternate enemies, some of which might seem equally far-fetched in the context of the current war system. Uh, I might just interject here. What, what enemy could not be nuked? An enemy that could not be nuked would be one that's everywhere, like uh, based on these one-off radical religious people that pop up in different countries, pop up in your own country. You can't nuke radical Islamists in Orlando, Florida. You know, just throwing it out there. Uh, It may be, for instance, I continue to read, that gross pollution of the environment can eventually replace the possibility of mass destruction by nuclear weapons as the principal apparent threat to the survival of the species. Poisoning of the air, food, water is already well advanced, and it could be promising, but it would take several generations. Uh, I kind of paraphrase there at the end because it's long. Um, Quote, it is true that the rate of pollution could be increased selectively for this purpose. Uh, But the pollution problem has been so widely publicized that it seems highly improbable that a program of deliberate environmental poisoning could be implemented in a politically acceptable manner. So they're talking about deliberately poisoning the environment just to maintain dedication to the hierarchy, to maintain social control as it is, not evolving into a better... It was all about how to keep the people in power in power. And then it wraps up um, the environmental stuff with, uh, the principal difference is that for the purpose of motivating basic allegiance as distinct from accepting political authority, the alternative enemy must imply a more immediate, tangible, and directly felt threat of destruction. It must justify the need for taking and paying a blood price. So he talks about how People have to die or it won't really work. Uh, He said if it's a fictional model, like the environmental pollution model, listen to what they say about it. The fictive models would have to carry the weight of extraordinary conviction. Isn't that what the science guys say? Like, they just, like, freak out on you. What are you, there's something wrong with you. I'm telling you. It's like, why don't you just prove it to me, you know? But it has to be conviction. Um, It had to have actual sacrifice of life. And it would have to have the construction of an up-to-date mythological or religious structure for this purpose. And it would present, that in itself would present difficulties in our era, but certainly must be considered. So to make environmentalism a religion with, uh, you know, um, mad conviction would be essential for the environmental model. This was written in the 60s. And look what we've got. I got to take a break, but I hope that was worth it. Uh, I have some more calls and I'm going to wrap it up after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 60% chance of shower or thunderstorm. High of 81 forecast for Monday as the work week begins, but that could change. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we are wrapping it up. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. So I will be back next Saturday. And you can always follow uh, Binkley and I do podcast, propagandareportdaily.com. 
We're uh, always, always bantering with anybody who wants to join in the fun, like day or night, basically. I feel like we have a 24-hour Twitter presence. I'm at Monica Perez Show. Binkley's at Freedom Act, uh, Freedom Act Radio. And it's super, it's really getting lively now. I really love it. I actually think it's worth signing up for Twitter just to to uh, banter, get your tweets read on the air. I get no va- value of it. It sounds like I'm plugging it, but I just, I get no value out of it whatsoever, except for the enjoyment of the communication. Uh, and these communications, so someone I really enjoy is a regular caller, Reggie. I'm going to go to Reggie. Hey, Reggie, uh, how are you doing? Just fine, long, just fine, Monica, just fine. Happy Saturday to you. Long time no here. Um, I wonder how you, I just want to know how you feel about what Kathy Griffith did and, and and do you think that her her apology is genuine and sincere, or is it just an only phony, fake, fraudulent ass apology, artificial? Is it not natural? Let me let me say a few things. Don't hang up. I'm gonna mute you though because there's a little bit of an echo. Um, so I I saw her picture just in passing. You know, I go through my Twitter feed. I saw the thing of Trump's severed head or whatever. It was obviously fake, and uh, I just like kept going. Like big deal. Like they um, after. The Michael Moore and Ashley Judd uh, made the speech that was so, so, so like vulgar in the true sense of the word vulgar and attributed it to a teenage girl having written it. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Ashley Judd and Michael Moore. I literally will not talk about it on the air. So uh, it was so ridiculously offensive. I, I never thought for a second anybody would push back on her. But they all of a sudden decided to freak out on her for it. Then, by coincidence, Bill Maher was super offensive yesterday, I guess. Like, now all of a sudden people are freaking out on him. It's this weird, like, going too far backlash that I, I had talked about how... Vicente Fox in February 2016, I pegged this. I said, Vicente Fox used vulgarity on TV against Trump. And, uh, and they're going to say because Trump, you know, lowered the bar, that it's all about him. And now I think this is playing somehow into that, that side. I haven't really sussed it out so far. But her apology, I didn't hear everything she had to say from top to bottom. But when I heard her... Blaming the first lady, blaming his family, blaming Trump like he was the that um, that they're after me. They're never going to let this die. I was like, OK, I was totally like fine with whatever you want to do. You're edgy, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. But you did hold up a hat. You know, the guy severed head. Of course, his family is going to be annoyed with you. You know, like that's just and if he tried to use the force of law to silence your speech. OK, but um, uh, anyway. So I think I lost Reggie there, but that's all right. Uh, I love it when Reggie calls. And he always has good questions about the latest in the lamestream mainstream media, as he calls it. So that's what I think. But Binkley, your, uh, what was your reaction to her, to what Catherine Griffin did? What do you think is going on? I think she thought that it was going to be universally applauded by the left. And I think the left had to wait and see how they were supposed to react. And then when they decided it was going to not be something they supported that she decided she needed to kind of apologize. But don't you feel like, uh, you know, why did they not react that way to Ashley Judd? I mean, that was uh, it, so much more offensive. It wasn't I mean, cause that image. was really, truly harmful. It oh, I have images from oh, yeah, the disgusting right. things that Ashley Judd said. Dis- I want to clean my brain out with a Q-tip. I have images <laughs> from what she said. Well, they compared what she did to terrorism and... 
You know, so they tried what to distance themselves crock. from it. <laughs> yeah. You know? But it's the left, right, who's freaking out on her, or is it... It's both sides. Yeah, I mean, I assume it's both sides, but, like, I don't know. Who cares? She's got so much PR now. She'll be fine. What is she going to do with it? Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. That, that kind of thing, it just shows you that the media can kind of decide what the reality oh, yeah. is, you know? And, and it really is true, though. Like, you, you want to just think it's manipulation, but it really is true. We could, of course, obviously talk about... You could you could throw out any headline, and we could probably talk about it for an entire segment. <laughs> but we're out of segments, so I'm going to say goodbye. I'll see you next week, Saturday, 3 to 6, right here on WSB for The Monica Perez Show. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection. The lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com, code SUPER24.